The following audio is from The Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I hope you ate too much turkey. I hope you had a great nap. I took a picture of my family and then got scolded for it, so I guess I shouldn't have posted it on social media. Um, yeah, all of them sleeping on a couch together. I'm like, okay, my bad. So um, still learning how to be a good husband. You can pray for me, and uh, hopefully that'll change, possibly by Christmas. So anyways, um, as a pastor... I suppose the truth is um, I get invited into people's trials and challenges and traumas and and difficult situations more than uh, other people might. I think the average person probably doesn't um, pour out their lives to their Uber Eats driver or the grocery store clerk or um, whatever. And so um, there's something about when I hear of different trials, when I hear of different tests and things that people go through, um, I keep a prayer journal and, and try to write down every time something comes up and, and pray for those things and, and keep them you know, in prayer, but also you know, praying with individuals and, and asking if there's things we can do or is there meal trains or sometimes send flowers and, and things like that. And I think it's probably what most of us do when we hear of somebody we know that's facing a trial in the middle of a trial or trauma or test of their faith or something, it is what we do. Um, We pray. We pray for it. We pray for them. Uh, Maybe it is that we bring a meal or we send a card or we send flowers or, uh, or we make that visit and pray with them or whatever we're able to do, we really do. But things always look different depending on which seat you're sitting in when something hard comes along. And I'm gonna talk about why that matters here in a few moments, but I wanna take a look at Luke chapter one as, like I said, we jump into our brand new Christmas series today and, and, and kind of look at the Christmas story for what it is. So Luke one, starting in verse 26, it says this, in the sixth month, talking about Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel said to her, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month for nothing is impossible with God. That's one of the the, the stories I want you to notice. And again, we're looking at Mary's version of of kind of these early events of what we call the Christmas story. As you look at Matthew here for a few moments, and I'm gonna go ahead and turn there real quick and, and starting in verse 18 of Matthew 1, it says this. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit because Joseph Her husband was a righteous man and didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your son. Sorry, excuse me, skipped a line there. That'd be weird. Okay. Um, I'm just making sure you're paying attention. Okay, good job. Let's make sure we get this correct. I literally skipped that line. Um, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Everybody say wife. Wife. Okay, we're on the same page, good. Um, 
because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. There we go, okay? Um, And you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be uh, with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Father, today as we stop and pray, it's always my prayer that you would open our hearts, you would open our minds, you would help us to navigate through some of the depth of this conversation. And I pray that would be especially true where it's so easy sometimes to sort of airbrush the Christmas story or airbrush when we read what the writers of scripture had to say. Um, we we kind of look overlook certain aspects that really were deeper than we might imagine. And I pray that as we look at some of the depth of, of these experiences, that it would awaken something in us, that it would challenge something inside of each of us, that we can take on the response of Mary and of Joseph in the midst of something really challenging in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's Mary and here's Joseph. And like I said, I read in Luke and I read in Matthew these accounts, one of Mary and one of Joseph. They have quite the experiences as a young couple. And when you read what happened to Mary, it says specifically that she was visited by the angel Gabriel, okay, by name, which also appears later on with, with the angels, or sorry, with, um, with the, the, the shepherds and stuff. But here she is, and she has an actual visitation by an angel. There's something in scripture that says you and I may have entertained angels without even knowing it. But here, Mary seems to know that this is something supernatural. This is something beyond just a normal person. And so she's visited by this angel and, and, and she's kind of, you know, at the beginning kind of freaking out. She's troubled at what's going on. So the angel says, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. Now I would also mention for any of us that if you are visited by somebody who says you have found favor with God, what does this mean? Why are you saying this? What are the implications of those words? And so Mary sits listening and the angel not only says to her, don't be afraid, but goes on to say, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus. And she doesn't fully understand the conversation. And she says, well, how is it gonna be that I'm gonna be with child when I have, I'm a virgin? I've never done anything to indicate that I would be pregnant. And the angel says, you know, the, the power of the most high will overshadow you, the Holy Spirit will come upon you um, and, and you're gonna have a baby, give him the, the name Jesus. Uh, he'll, he'll reign on the throne of his father, David. Uh, his kingdom will never end. And so there's this whole conversation that happens that I want you to notice. And he, he even brings up this whole visit by Elizabeth, which is part of the Christmas story that paved the way for John the Baptist. So this happens to Mary and, and her response at the very end in verse 38 is this, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said, or may your word to me be fulfilled and the angel left her. So here's Mary who the only window we get into her, her kind of emotional state is that she's troubled at the idea that an angel had visited her, which we all would be, let's be honest. So then we look at what happens to Joseph in Matthew chapter one, and we get a little more window into his kind of emotional situation because it says that, um, Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Now you have to understand that this is a little different than something like an engagement today. When it says that they were betrothed or engaged, it really meant they were basically married without the living together and the physical union of the marriage yet. That was coming. And and so they were waiting, uh, trying to take those right steps. And so when you you look at it, this is much 
a much bigger deal than the idea that they were simply engaged, where you and I might be engaged or whatever, and you, you go, well, I think well, let's call it off, and it's that simple. For them, it was a much bigger deal and a much more detailed process to walk away from each other. So it says that they're betrothed or they're engaged, and Mary is found to be uh, pregnant. And I, I, you need to understand when that's said in that verse, in the verse it says, um, she's found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. That part is actually understood in the context as that comes later. Joseph doesn't understand that it's through the Holy Spirit yet. That's just said more for our benefit as Matthew writes this text to the reader. And so Joseph understands that Mary is with child, but of course his mind is like something's gone on here. She's maybe not been faithful because she's pregnant and we're bound to this, this covenant from Sinai. Then we have a problem and I've got to walk away, but I want to do this the way that I would, uh, in a way that would protect her because the legal ramifications of her being pregnant but not being Joseph's child were that not only would they offer the certificate of divorce and Joseph can move on, but, but that she would go before the leaders of the city where they would pronounce judgment and possibly stone her to death. Okay, so these are the implications of the whole picture. And you and I could easily airbrush through it and go, well, they had this little struggle and then they lived happily ever after and they had a baby in a cave and it's all good. Okay, so there's that. A little fast forward there. But the, the deal is it's a lot more challenging than we might imagine. And like I said, going back to the, the opening of the message, for you and I, when, when we hear of a test that somebody else is facing, a trial that somebody else is going through, a trauma that, that somebody else has had to navigate, our heart goes out to them. We have a certain level of empathy. Man, I wanna pray for you. Or we make a phone call, how you doing? Just checking in. Or hey, maybe swing by, let's just sit and watch a movie. Or, or let's just hang out. And I just wanna make sure, okay, can I bring a meal? Can I write a card? What can we do? And our heart goes out but it changes drastically when it's you and me in the middle of a trial. It changes drastically when it's you and me facing the situation. For Mary, it started as, oh, Elizabeth's pregnant, that, that's amazing, and there's some things surrounding it that sound incredible, and she's old, and that's a miracle, and wow, that's gonna be a challenge for them. But then the angel visits Mary and says, now it's your turn. And you can imagine possibly, and we don't get a lot of detail, what she might've felt. We know, like I said, she was troubled, but we don't get more than that. We know Joseph was more than troubled. You can imagine the heartache of, we have to part ways. The woman I love, the woman I'm basically married to, I have to walk away from. And then of course, in the story of Joseph, he's reminded in a dream by an angel that God is doing something supernatural. And I love Joseph's response in verse 24, of Matthew 1, it says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he didn't consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Like I said, when it's, when it's someone else, our heart goes out, but when it's us, it becomes different. Let me try to explain this a little more clearly. We all experience a trial or a tragedy or a trauma. That's for everybody. Okay, and if you're not in one, you've never experienced something that, that's ripped your heart out, that you can't sleep, that you feel all that you feel, that's gonna happen. I hate to say it, but it is. And so we all will experience something incredibly deep. That's everybody. And, and, and we feel it because it's us on a deeper level. It's why 
You and I can pray for, for you know, things going on in Africa, things going on in Indonesia, things going on in other parts of the world and flooding or destruction or death or martyrdom or whatever. We go, man, God, help, Lord, be there, do something, even locally. Oh, there was a shooting at a mall. Dear God, help down in South Center, Tacoma. Or we hear of a car crash in Stanwood recently and someone lost their lives. Or even when we're doing decorating on Monday night here at the church, Ryan and I both get a phone call from a family. Literally, they were saying, and I got a text after that saying, please help, answer. You know, and we, we get back and they were in a bad car crash and, and going to the hospital and, and, and it's right there. But there's something about for you and I seeing it and having an empathy and something different about when you and I are in the middle of it, that it becomes something we feel on a deeper level. This is still all of us, okay? This is where, in the words of the poet Robert Frost, two roads diverge in a yellow wood. Because for all of us, the test will come. For all of us, the trial will be something we all face. But the emotions will be happen on a deeper level, all of us, but this is where it begins to become our journey because the emotion sends our minds to work. We try to make sense of what's happening and what we're gonna do and, and how we're gonna survive and it feels so this and, and all that stuff that we face because that's what our minds do. It works to try to put pieces together of semblance, of understanding what's going on. Why am I facing this? What am I gonna do about this? How do I handle this? How are we gonna get through this time? If you faced a trial, if you've been through a trauma, if you've experienced something on a deeper level like that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And our minds don't always turn off, which is why at 2 a.m. you're laying there and you can't sleep and you're trying to put the pieces together because something has happened and that's what our minds do. But then comes where it really is kind of this, this choose your own adventure. And I want you to hear this. If we attach our mental energy to the wrong thought, it leads down a path of being basically stuck in, in like the, the, the washing machine spin cycle our minds begin to attach themselves to the wrong things and, and, and then the, the next wrong thing and the next wrong thing. I'll explain more in a minute. On the other hand, we can attach our thoughts to the right things and it's a different picture altogether. It, it, let, let me give a couple of examples or let me give you one example. A personal trial that you face. Maybe you, you had a meeting with a boss and your boss said, hey, I gotta let you go. And, and you're, you're, you're fired or you're let go and there's all kinds of reasons, but all of a sudden you feel the personal weight of this experience and, and, and your mind, because the weight is there, begins to try to make sense of it. And, 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 and so the hurt and the anger and the fear, the dread, which is all of us, leads to your mind at work. And so maybe it goes something like this. What did I do wrong? How could I have done better? Does my boss not like me? Okay, I can do this. I, I can get through this. How am I gonna pay my bills? God, why is this happening? Okay, God, you're still here. Okay, you care. What am I gonna do? This sucks. I, I look like a failure. This is an opportunity to, to, to grow. It's a new path. How am I ever gonna move on? Do you see what happens? Our minds go to, oh no, and then go to, I'm trying to trust. I'm gonna get through, but I can't get through. This is a lot of people have experienced these things. Our minds try to put it together. Now, let's say in the midst of the job loss and the deep emotion that we feel, and, and, and the, the, the mental gymnastics that are happening, we attach our minds to the wrong thought. Just a simple example, there's all kinds of them, but let's say it goes like this. What did I do wrong? I'm a suck. I'm a failure. People are gonna see me as a failure. 
I'm humiliated. I'll never find another job like that one. Why am I so disliked? I wanna hide. My wife is gonna be so disappointed. What are my kids gonna think of me? How am I gonna provide for my family? How are people gonna see me? I can't do this. I'm gonna go buy a fifth of whiskey. When your mind attaches to the wrong thing, it leads to, and again, there's all kinds of avenues to this. And it's not, it could be the fifth of whiskey, or you're gonna go out and have an escape, you're gonna spend a bunch of money you don't have, or whatever you're gonna do, but, but you try to cope in a certain way. When you go down the wrong path, it leads to a certain destruction. But the other side of it is this, and this is how I wanna challenge us. Attaching your mind to the right thought. You're gonna go through the gymnastics, Oh, my life is over, I'm humiliated, I can get through this, there's another side. It goes back and forth. But when you attach to the right thought, okay, God, you're, you're still here. Okay, you're not surprised by this. Now, let me be honest with you. It doesn't mean you're not human. And by the way, when we talk about praying in, in situations like this, you can be honest with God. You, you can express, this hurts like crazy. And I don't know what I'm going to do. It's like we've said about when you read the Psalms, the psalmists are, are brutally honest at times. What am I gonna do? And everything feels dark and I don't know, but it comes back to over and over, God, you are here. You are the Lord. I'm going to trust you. You know the end from the beginning. I'm hurt and I'm scared, but I'm also, Lord, in your hands. I hate this, but I'm going to grow anyways. You didn't promise my life would always be easy but you did say you would always be present and I'm going to choose to trust you. Do you see the difference? When, when we're doing the mental gymnastics, it's that challenge. But if you're taking notes, write down Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And we're not talking about how you and I understand heart as in like our core and in our feel and our emotion. In particular, in that context, and another version says it this way, be careful how you think because life is shaped by your thoughts. If you play to the wrong part of the emotion and you allow fear to lead, where does that take you? If you play to the wrong emotion, but you don't allow fear to lead, where will that take you? I, I know this sounds a little bit cliche or, or, or a little bit cheesy to say it this way, but it goes like this, and this is to me a simple way for you and I to remember it. Right thought, we win. Wrong thought, we spin. And I put it that way because I want you to remember, I want you to leave here knowing that, that no matter what goes on, and some of you right now are dreading the holiday season, some of your memories and, and, and the craziness that will happen have you already feeling all of the anxiety of this season and certain people you're gonna see and people you don't like or memories you have of certain days in December that are horrible days and you feel all that you feel, but in the midst of feeling it, I get it. What are you going to do and what emotion or, or what, are you gonna, what truth are you gonna attach yourself to in the midst of the emotion? Because right thought you win, wrong thought you spin. Mary, although at first was troubled by why in the world an angel would visit her, here's what the angel has to say. And I don't know where all her mind went, but don't think for a second that the airbrushed version of the Christmas story is the true version. And I don't want to infer too much here because there's a danger to that. 
But when you look at what, what, Mary, what was going on with Mary and Joseph, don't think for a second it wasn't unlike it would be today where if somebody came to you and said, look, I'm pregnant, but I swear I didn't do anything, you'd be like, come on. Don't think people wouldn't be whispering. There's Mary, there's Joseph. Yeah, they said they didn't do anything. Are you kidding me? Clearly they were doing something. We, 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 we read right through the Christmas story and go on and they, they're all, it's all good. But Joseph, get into, we get into his emotion a bit. Because he was a righteous man, his reputation, pretty amazing, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. And then we read on like it was all good. Stop for a second. How long before Joseph had in mind to divorce her quietly and the angel visits in a dream? Was it like 10 seconds? Probably not. Was it a half an hour? Okay, maybe. Was it hours, an afternoon, a whole day, a couple days? I don't know about you, but if you love someone so much and you're basically married to them and you all of a sudden have to make a decision because you think they cheated on you, I don't know if it's 10 seconds is, is bliss, but that's 10 seconds of hell. But, but clearly it was more than that. And you can imagine for Joseph going, what in the world am I supposed to do? And how do I save her life from being stoned to death and yet I have to walk away from her because she cheated on me? This whole thing was scandalous. This whole thing is a mess. And yet, Joseph being visited in a dream by an angel, he wakes up. And if you look at Matthew 1, 24, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. It's a scandalous situation, but they leaned into trusting God. When you and I face the trial, what do we do? When you and I are in the midst of the trauma, what do we do? It's easy to pray for them people way over there on another continent that are going through something hard. It's easier to, oh man, did you hear happened out in Stanwood? Well, I'll pray for them and that's rough. Or Sumas, I have a pastor friend of mine. He said a third of his church is displaced because of the flooding. I'll pray for them, that sucks. But when it's you and you're facing that trial, what do you you do about it because your mind is going to play gymnastics. You're going to feel it on a deeper level than, oh, them and pray for them. And I hate that and I want to help. But for you and I in those moments, what do we do? And that's the question. They both landed, Mary and Joseph, on trusting God. They both landed on not letting their minds spin and I, I, would, I would definitely say the community had a lot of whispering going on. And yet I love the trust they had. How is your faith being tested and how are you handling it? How is your faith being tested and how are you handling it? Where does your mind go when a trial hits home for you? When your emotions are engaged? and you're trying to work things out in your head. 
when I was putting these notes together, I really was looking for at the end just a story of, of, of somebody historically or somebody that we know or whatever, like Abraham Lincoln, and all these different people came to mind. And, and as I'm reading, I'm thinking, that's a really good one. That's perfect. That's trusting. That's, that's doing the right thing in the midst of a really tough trial. All these examples. But, but I got to be honest with you, and I'm just trying to be transparent. I just began to go, you know, I just want you to understand that, and I don't say this out of, out of pity, but we together have faced a pretty big trial and it's not over. And the last, what, 19, 20 months now of news and, and all this stuff that goes on. And yet here we are, and I'm sitting down with somebody who, who months ago said, hey, I think we really should consider doing a dinner church. And we talk as a team and go, hey, why don't we launch a, a dinner church campus? And, and, and maybe we could reach people that would never come into a gathering like this. All right, let's do it. Why I would sit down, and I mentioned Indonesia a little earlier, but Colleen Martin. And she says, I just have this passion to, to, to launch an international community church in our own community. What would that look like? And, and as a board, okay, let, let's talk about this. That we, we think this could help reach people. Why we met over a month ago as a board and we had four different missions opportunities and the board goes, what if we just took them all on? Why our youth pastor and the whole youth team would say yes to tutoring? How do we continue to build bridges to reach people? Why? I mean, didn't Jesus say, go make disciples of all the nations unless things aren't good in your community? <laughs> go make disciples of all the nations except skip the students because the school district is in kind of a mess right now. Just write them off until it's all better. Go make disciples of all the nations Unless things are politically uh, an absolute <clears throat> kind of disaster and then just postpone it all and instead circle the wagons and just play church. For us to, to, to take on what we've taken on and, and, and in our partnership with the food bank, even thinking about the gift and them announcing it and, and us going, okay, how are we gonna help families? Because that's what we're called to do. I've said it this way before and I believe it wholeheartedly. You and I, and I know it's cheesy, you and I are stewards of the Great Commission. Go make disciples unless a Republican's in office. Go make disciples unless a Democrat's in office. Go make disciples unless there's all kinds of bad news on the 24-hour news channels. Go make disciples, and we can make excuses for why that doesn't apply to us right now. But we continue to go, what does it look like to reach people? What does it look like to care so much about Jesus and what he's done through God's great love for mankind? that we constantly go, what does it look like to reach people? We have said for years, we are not gonna let fill in the blank be an excuse for why we can't reach people. We've literally used that phrase long as I've been here in this role, almost 13 years. We're not gonna let our facilities be a reason why we can't reach people. We're not gonna let our resources be a reason why we can't reach people. We're not gonna let the lack of manpower, again, certain seasons, be a reason why we can't reach people. We're not gonna let the small staff be a reason why we can't reach people. We've constantly said, we're not gonna let these things, emotionally, how can we? What are we gonna do? How's it gonna happen? I don't know. All I know is God said, go reach people. Go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, 
and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to do everything I've commanded you. And I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, unless there's a pandemic. <laughs> then just circle the wagons. Play it safe for a while. I'll be transparent. Sure, financially, we're not in as good a shape as we've been. Sure, it's been tough. Why? Because as a community, because as a church, people have fallen on tough times. I get it. But even still, we're like, it's not going to be a reason why we can't reach people. I don't say it out of pity. I don't say it to make you cry and get out your wallet and do all this stuff. I say it because in context, what does it look like to trust? This is the road we're walking. This is the world we're living in. When every day, okay, that's probably an exaggeration, where every, at least every week we're faced with how do we handle the, the most recent understanding of what's going on in our world? And by the way, there are some individuals that, that have committed to sending me encouraging emails and cards, actually, sending our staff. And, and, and maybe I feel a little bit bad because it's like, well, maybe it's because a few weeks ago or you know, a couple months back, I said, yeah, people still send me hate stuff and why are we doing this and why, you know, why don't we do and so some people are like, oh, I'm going to send them encouraging stuff. I love that. I think it's awesome. We're not going to be deterred from helping people see the love of God in Christ. When you and I face tests of our faith personally, how we handle it gives us the ability to either shine light or shut it off. If we live by the emotion, and we're going to have the emotion, fear, dread, panic, anger, confusion for all of it. But when we choose to go, God, you're still God. Jesus, you still sent your spirit to live inside of us and empower us. When we chose this, I'll, I'll say it this way. When we chose this stupid Christmas theme, I say it because I think I was the one who said, let's do that 70s Christmas. Part of it was like, you know, maybe we shouldn't because it's like life is heavy right now. And we're gonna look like we're being super flippant and we don't really care. But that's not it. Do you know, here, here's my take. And this is a little sidebar here. Do you know why I believe Paul Rudd is, is people's sexiest man alive? <laughs> this is a bonus sermon. Do you know why I really believe that? Because of how he carries himself. Not necessarily because he looks amazing. Now some of you go, but he does. Debatable. Just kidding, I'm just joking. But honestly, I, I know this sounds so dumb. You're like, why are you even talking about this? It's because there's a guy who can make you and I feel good about life still, even though life is hard. Why would we do something as, as weird as that 70s Christmas and throw out the old carpet? And who loves tinsel? Anybody on the planet? You guys do? God bless you and yours. Because all I look at, it's like a disaster that has to be vacuumed up every three minutes. Why would we get out the old TV? Why would we have, what is this thing called, by the way, that's spinning up here? Anybody? A spinning thing, yeah. Why, why would we, I mean, why? Because we want you to be able to have fun and realize that we have a God who cares so much about how we live our lives and there's a certain need for joy in our world. That's why on, on the last Sunday before Christmas, which is December 17th, 19th, something like that, we're doing, hey, it's that 70s Christmas theme. Dress, dress up. Come have fun with us. You go, what does this have to do with the Great Commission? Because there's something about understanding God's love and the sense of joy that we can have in Christ that matters. I don't know what you've faced. 
I don't know what you're currently facing. I know there's people in this room right now that I am praying diligently for you, even in tears at times, because of the weight of what you're going through. And I love you dearly. But whatever it is you're facing, I wanna challenge you to trust. Believe that God's got a plan. Believe that he still does miracles. Don't be afraid to ask just because things look bad. Why wouldn't we? Cast those anxieties on him. Lean into who he is. I love Mary's response, and I'm going to end with this. After she, she has this encounter with an angel, here's her, her response. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. That's what we are, servants. I'm a servant. Life is hard. And it's easy to pray for them out there when they're going through it. But when we face it, oh God, what am I going to do? But I wanna challenge you to lean in. I wanna challenge you towards the right thoughts. Write down Philippians 4, 8 and read it this week over and over and over. I'm not even gonna quote it for you. Incredible verse. The right thoughts. The emo don't lead by emotion. Filter through false thoughts and true thoughts. Hold on to the right ones. Because I know it's cliche and cheesy in the way I said it. Right thought we win, wrong thought we spin. Jesus today, I feel proud of us as a church. That, that 20 months or something like that into a really crazy time in this world. I feel proud that we can be on mission. How do we love well? How do we serve well? How do we lay down our own agendas and our own comfort to help people see God's love in Christ? What does that look like? And there's so many different ways that, that, that it's played out and, and it's not always easy and it's not always successful. It doesn't always work well, but God, we're doing our best to help people understand the gospel of Christ, making disciples of all nations, wanting people to see your love. And I pray that, that, that maybe that model of trusting you would be something that we can take home for our families, take home in our marriages, take home as we head back to college or school, take home as, as we do what we do every day at our workplaces, that God, your light shines, that we're trusting you, that we don't give in to how we feel. And all of a sudden pick up something we shouldn't ever have picked up. Jesus, be who we trust. Let that be our confession moment by moment. It's in your name we Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.